We're podcasting from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA. I'm Public Affairs Officer Taylor Henry. Today, it's my great privilege to be talking to Deacon Joe Pack. Deacon Joe, welcome. Oh, thank you, sir. And uh, you have been a deacon in service to the Archdiocese for the Military Services for almost five years now, right? That's correct, sir. And uh, tell me, what does a deacon do uh, in relationship to military chaplaincy? How do you uh, fulfill the archdiocese's mission to serve those who serve? So before I answer that, I'd like to congratulations to you for passing the bar exam recently, counselor. Well, thank you very much. It was a five-year journey, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad it's over with. And that's almost the same as... uh, our formation, which was uh, four and a half years when we started out with the AMS. Anyway, um, as a deacon, uh, we're ordained to serve. So in retrospect, uh, in support of the bishop, we serve the military community. In, this particular, in my particular case, I was stationed uh, in overseas in Korea initially, then when I got reassigned back to Washington, D.C., I started serving Fort Myers Joint Base, um, uh, the community, Catholic community there since uh, May 2015, and also serving at the Basilica of National Shrine at the uh, bishop's uh, uh, request. So uh, deacons are ordained. Uh, to serve, uh, much like just like anything, any other ordination, except that we're not a priest, obviously. But you can perform some ministerial functions. What are those? So uh, as a deacon, uh, we have uh, two sacraments that we actually uh, are given faculties to. Uh, we can baptize. So I was given a bap- uh, faculty to baptize as well as uh, witness uh, marriage, sacrament of marriage, outside of the Mass. I see. And now, you were born and raised in Korea, right? Yes. And you joined the United States Army in Korea? No, no, no. I was, in the 70s, I, I, in 1979, I joined the military. I was here always. I was already in the States. I see. And um, now, you and a Deacon... Uh, Roy Mellon were ordained together here in a mass about five years ago, August 24th, 2013, correct? That is correct. You have a good recollection. (laughs) And we had a good conversation before this podcast. (laughs) Anyhow, you were the first uh, deacons to be ordained directly into the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Both Deacon Roy and I were incarnated into AMS, uh, whereas uh, most of the priests are um, borrow from the other diocese. Uh, myself and Roy, Dick and Roy, are incarnated into AMS. And at this point, you're the only two AMS deacons, correct? That is correct. I think we, we had this program to see if uh, AMS could extend this uh, formation, but uh, since then, uh, Archbishop decided not to continue the formation. And at the time you were ordained, you were still serving in Korea, South Korea. Yes, as a civilian in USFK. Understood. You retired from the service. Many years ago. Gotcha. 
Uh, okay, and so uh, d- 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 tell us a little bit about what is the uh, what are what are your feelings about what's going on in Korea with regard? I mean, you know, you have your background where you lived there for so long. You um, served uh, in South Korea for a good number of years, both in the military and retired, and then as a deacon. Uh, what do you make of what's going on right now with the uh, negotiations with North Korea? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> off the record, I could clearly talk about <laughs> right. a lot of stuff, but for the record, I think the um, current administration has done some uh, tremendous work to uh, check the uh, North Korea uh, leadership into uh, at least a talking level. Um, would they would they be a peace will anytime soon? I don't know. I, I would agree with the fifty uh, percent of the academics who would argue that this is a a strategy of Pyongyang regime to continue uh, prolonging until this administration no longer uh, govern this nation. So they they're a little afraid of I think uh, this administration's strategy. So you think Kim Jong Un may be bluffing? Well, I think, I think he's a very calculated man. I think we always say, <clears throat> excuse me, North Koreans are very, very calculative, and they use the terms like "this is how small countries survive." So I think uh, they are buying time uh, and and giving some win to this current administration. So. What was it like when you were uh, there, both in the service and as a civilian contractor, this climate of uh, tension with the North and a war that never ended? What is it like for the South Koreans living under those circumstances? Well, that's a very good question, uh, really. Um, When you are living there as a citizen of of Korea, the threat is somewhat uh, muffed or muted uh, because it's just the everyday life. And over the last 60 plus years of this ongoing hostility is well uh, played by both sides. And for average Korean citizen, the tension is not as how we feel from the West looking, you know, outside, we call it outside looking in. But when you are inside there, you, you don't feel that hostility as much. Um, yeah, there are some times that, that we came very close to, to going to war, but uh, I, I don't think the, uh, it's in the best interest of all the players in the region to have another hostile uh, situation. And what role does the church have to play in this, do you think? So there, there's a, I would say there's a very micro um, roles that we play as well as macro roles that we could play in the region. Uh, micro role is to make sure that the, our spiritual needs of all the dependents uh, through our, you know, the religious activities are met. At the same time, you know, over the history of Korea, whether you know, going back to 200 years when Catholicism was first placed in the region, that now you know, South Korea is one of the most vibrant uh, Christian uh, country 
uh, I think both co- when you count the percentile of both uh, Protestant and Catholics or Christian in general, I think surpasses the uh, the uh, the traditional Korean uh, Buddhist uh, religion. So, in a macro sense, I think there is a role for uh, Christianity being sprung from South Korea to post unification and 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 forth in the whole region. Uh, South Korea has about 11% of Catholics and growing. So it's one of the biggest uh, uh, Catholic uh, countries in terms of growth is concerned. And one of the fastest growing Catholic populations in the world. Yes, sir. You are, you are right. And uh, so 11% of all South Koreans are now Catholic. Now Catholics. Wow. Yes, sir. That's very impressive. Considering 40-some percent people don't believe any religion or subscribe to any religion. So the 11% uh, Catholic population in Korea, are they, um, your experience, you served as a deacon. You were on the, mi- the military bases there. That is correct. But you had some contact with the Yes, uh, one of the things uh, that we were able to do as a Catholic community, and especially with the Knights of Columbus, uh, we established the Knights of Columbus in uh, 2006 as a first military council in Korea. Well, fast forward to 2012-2013, uh, under the guidance and direction from the um, uh, Supreme Knights Office, uh, Carl Anderson, who visited many times, uh, and was able to establish Korea's own Knights of Columbus councils. Now, when I by the time I left in 2015, we had up to two councils. Now it's still growing. In Korea alone, we have five councils, uh, two on base bases, and three Korean uh, only uh, councils. So that that was a uh, I think one of the apexes and the significance that that our Korean uh, or military council was able to do. And I thank all the members that that was able to. Uh, do that, accomplish that mission. So every single one of the brothers that were members of the Council 14223, uh, Bishop Casing, late Bishop Casing Council. And, uh, you know, we hear a lot about um, the uh, practice of religion in the North, how it's outlawed. Uh, are Catholics allowed in North Korea? Do you know? Um, no. There, there's no... The state owns most of the religious activity, and it's pretty much propaganda, we call it, because really there is no such thing as freedom of religion. The regime, the Kim family regime, is the religion of the state. So uh, so there there are quite a few underground um, religious activities, and there are quite a few um, Protestants and Catholics that are supporting uh, those uh, ministries very underground, and I can't go over the specifics. But it, it, and what, what, do you hold out any hope for uh, reunification of the Korean Peninsula anytime soon? Do you think these talks might lead to that? Surely not. So unification is a very complex issue. Uh, 
in a in a public statement, sure, I think there should be a unified Korea because they're one nation. Uh, when I was there, uh, I was engaged in a lot of academics because of my work with the um, uh, Korean academics and think tanks. Certainly, uh, they all hope for one day of unification. That is a desire and dream of the entire population. The realistic approach is, are both countries or, or Koreans truly prepared to unite and be harmonious? I, I think it can be done, but I think it takes a lot of work, uh, quite a lot of work. And we'll take the Kim dynasty giving up power. That is correct. That is correct. And so uh, that's not likely to happen anytime soon. That's, I'm afraid not. Um, what is the, uh, when you, and how, how long ago did you leave South Korea? It's been three years now, right? That is correct. And uh, so what was the, the mood in the chapels at uh, Mass uh, on Sundays, daily Mass, uh, the folks who serve our nation there? Is, is there, uh, and you mentioned earlier about uh, when you're inside, it doesn't, uh, you don't feel it as much, the tension with North Korea. But just what is the, are the feelings uh, there among the Catholic military personnel about the ongoing unresolved conflict with North Korea at the time you left? So certainly, uh, because you're part of the defense or security of a nation as a deployed soldiers, you feel the tension when, the, when it does go to roller coaster ride. Uh, you do feel it. Uh, families always prepare to evacuate on notice. But life is pretty norm. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there's a pretty good support system. And the uh, Catholic community in Yongsan, at least at that time when I left, it's just one of the marvelous experiences. And, and I think all the former members of Yongsan community uh, will agree with me that that was one of the best experience not only assignment but the small community like true family so i think people would agree with me on that and so let's talk a little bit about your own personal faith journey how is it that you decided to become a deacon so that that was a very <laughs> tough question uh, um, the book answer will be i wanted to serve um I think it started out with uh, having a lot of influence from my wife. Uh, she's a very devout Catholic, and in a way, she's still my spiritual uh, director in a way. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I was a convert, and I became Catholic when I married her. So, and through my own journey with serving with the Knights of Columbus, kind of amplify uh, my desire to be ordained and serve as a, a deacon. And so when did you have this uh, discernment? So, frankly, Archbishop, when he first, his first trip to Korea, and I Arch believe Archbishop, Archbishop Broglio, Broglio, as a, a being, uh, becoming a, a Archbishop for the diocese, AMS, uh, he actually came to Korea, did a first discernment, and he was actually looking for priest candidates, and there was about eight of us who were married already, we attended a discernment and decided to um, try this uh, 
permanent deacon formation for AMS and the work behind it really tribute goes to uh, auxiliary bishop uh, Spencer. He he's the actually the for you know the 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 uh, blueprint designer of that initial formation. And that would be auxiliary bishop F. Richard Spencer. He's the Episcopal victor for Europe and Asia, and I'm sure that he got over to Korea quite often. And I just yes, it did. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that I recognize those people. You know, Bishop Buckin, uh, his um, late uh, bishop, uh, uh, Bishop Joseph Estabrook, Father Ken, you know, uh, Father Mike Albino, uh, Father uh, Dennis Callan, and my brother Dennis uh, Deacon Roy, who was who was uh, sort of like helping with the architect of the initial formation. And uh, I'm curious to know from the standpoint of a deacon standpoint, looking at the state of affairs in the church right now, not only in the military, but the church at large in the United States, we have a priest shortage. Yes, sir. And how do you suppose deacons will be able to help make up for that shortage? Do you see an expanded role for deacons in the future? Certainly. uh, There's two, actually, two questions there in a way because deacons are not meant to replace priests so we always if we have our shortage we also need to continue to pray for our vocation and encourage vocation of priesthood deacon can certainly help and assist uh, with the shortage of priests deacon's role may expand in a way that a lot more busier uh, uh, visiting sick and sick people and Helping out the community, but deacons are not meant to replace priests. So there's no substitute for the priests that we're in short supply of that right is, now. We that need, is correct. We need more priests. We need more priests. I would just like to recognize the entire AMS staff. Uh, over the last 10 years, I've seen significant uh, increase of role and, and, and the footprint of the AMS work. The, whether it's Sacramento Records, our outreach program through you and so forth, uh, our services at AMS uh, increase exponentially. I think it's all due to the leadership. Uh, I really mean this from the heart. So the leadership it, of Archbishop, yes, uh, and everybody else in there. So I, I think so. AMS has uh, exponentially increased the visibility to help the community of military and the all the the fact the diocese that we reach or the communities we reach whether it's an embassy overseas well those of us on the staff here at the ams along with you as a deacon certainly try hard to do that every day to be mindful of the folks we serve and the catholics out there on the front lines whose uh, lives are in danger who, uh, who are in harm's way we pray for them every day and uh, thank you for all of your service and all that you do. Thank you. And uh, uh, Deacon Joe Pack joining me today on our podcast, Catholic Military Life. Thank you for listening.